Well, welcome and Merry Christmas. Do you have a favorite Christmas tradition? I want to talk about some of my favorite Christmas traditions, and I have a couple of things that I'm going to give out here, so I'm going to have a little bit of help uh, in doing that, and I want to share a couple of Christmas traditions with you that I really enjoy, uh, and I have a couple of things here uh, I can show you what this looks like. So uh, some of you have said, I think almost everybody I know who celebrates Christmas loves treats and baking and all that kind of stuff. So one of the things we love to do is uh, gingerbread houses. So we have, um, we have one that, well, we don't have it anymore because it goes pretty quick in our house. We, we, we uh, make it, we create it, and we eat it. And so uh, is there anybody out there that really loves gingerbread houses that maybe doesn't have one this year? This is not the part of the service. You have to be quiet. Who needs a gingerbread house? Go ahead, kids, wave your hands. All right, we got one over there. All right, we'll work on our excitement level. It's okay, we're just starting out. Um, another thing that we love, and actually, um, my son and daughter were, were on the video there that you just saw, and one of their favorite things to do is we do Advent. And so uh, every night for a month leading up to Christmas, we have our Advent readings and we light candles, and then they get their Advent calendar and they open up a little door and there is a chocolate. So maybe there's somebody out there that would enjoy a little bit chocolate for Christmas. Uh, we all love the treats. We got to have the treats. And then, uh, again, a lot of them, man, a lot of my favorite traditions were hit in the vi video. Uh, your traditions, too. So one of them is at the beginning of the season, and this is really kickoff for our Christmas season, is we cut down our Christmas tree. So this is a Christmas tree table decoration, which is beautiful and has ornaments. Uh, but we love to go like the, like the last weekend of November, the first week of December, and we go out in the field and we pick out the perfect tree and we cut it down and we bring it home together and we decorate it and we love that. And then uh, one of my favorite traditions is because we're, we're always doing services like this uh, right up to Christmas Eve. And uh, when we get all through the Christmas services for church and we've done all the shopping and all the busyness of the season, in, and it's finally Christmas Eve evening, and we're ready to relax. We watch a couple of Christmas movies, and we get takeout. We do Chinese food. And so maybe there's somebody out there that would love to do a little bit of takeout uh, this Christmas season over the holidays, and to just enjoy. You know, uh, traditions are so important. And around Christmas, we have so many traditions. And again, probably you have some that are unique to you and your family and things that, that you do. And have you ever tried to mess with one of your family tra traditions? Like a lot of us, a lot of people like to eat turkey or ham or something like that at Christmas. And I am betting that there's a whole bunch of us who eat the same thing every Christmas, whether you celebrate on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or Boxing Day or whenever it is. But it's like, this is what we do. We eat turkey. Could you imagine, or maybe some of you have tried this, where you just went to the family ahead of time and you guys, you went, you guys, you know, I, I know we do turkey every single year, but I don't know, like turkey's not our favorite thing. Why don't we just order a couple of pizzas? And just imagine what would happen, and here's what would happen. I see people cringing in the audience already. They would go, no, because we always eat turkey. And then you could dig in and you could say, well, but is turkey our favorite thing? Like, we barely eat turkey the rest of the year. We never make a whole turkey at once except for Christmas. So maybe this time we'll make an exception. And what will happen if you try and do that? Is your family will come back and they will completely rebel against you. No, we always do turkey. 
We always do ham. We always do whatever. Think about this, and maybe some of this has happened to you as a parent, or maybe you've been the kid that's kind of growing up, and you've got to that point where the kids, they grow up, and they get to an age where they're leaving home, or they're out at school, or they're starting a family of their own, and the conversation inevitably happens where they call mom or dad or brother or sister, and they say, hey, you know, I'm really sorry about this, but I'm not going to be able to make it on Christmas Day. And part of you, if you're a reasonable person, part of you will go, oh, oh, that's okay. I mean, we can celebrate a different day because people grow up and they, you know, they start a family or they get a significant other. They got to celebrate two places. And so they, they start new traditions. And part of you will go, I understand that. That's a natural thing to do. And we'll celebrate on Boxing Day. We'll celebrate the week after. We'll do something else. But there will be another part of you that will go, no, because we... We always get together on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve or or Boxing Day or whatever your tradition is. There will be something inside of you that says, no, we can't do that. We we, we shouldn't do that. And I'm going to tell you why that is. Sociologists have studied this. They've studied uh, different groups of people and traditions, and they've observed what that's all about. And and famous sociologists have have noted that for any group, whether it's a, a nation, an entire nation of people, whether it's a church, whether it's your family or your group of friends, the higher the level of tradition or ritual, the healthier the group is. Yeah, the the deeper and the more consistent traditions a group has, the healthier that group is. Why? Because these traditions build a sense of solidarity and loyalty, creates commitment and inclusion. It gives a sense of emotional well-being. It educates people and it teaches people as to who they are. And that is the significance of traditions. Traditions remind us of who we are and so you say, well, what, what, what happens if we just change turkey? Why is everybody going to freak out? Because we always eat turkey. Well, what happens if, if somebody can't come for Christmas dinner on the day that we always do Christmas dinner? We can just do it. What's the big deal? Because we always do Christmas dinner. Even the weird traditions. Do you have any weird traditions that you just can't understand? It's a little easier as an outsider. Remember when I started celebrating Christmas with uh, my wife's side of the family? And some of the traditions they had were not the traditions that I had. One of them was the Christmas meal, pretty traditional uh, North American Christmas meal, turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, all that kind of stuff, and jello. Now, I have nothing against jello. I just feel like it should be a dessert. But they always had jello, and I noticed a couple of times in a row at Christmas dinner, there's always jello. And so uh, one time I said to my wife, I said, I find this a little bit strange that you guys have jello. We, you know, not that jello's fine, but again, I feel like it's more of the dessert. The stuffing and the mashed potatoes and the jello, it just doesn't, the, the flavor profiles just don't make sense to me. Why do you guys do jello? You don't do this any other time of year. Why is there jello at Christmas? Because we always have jello at Christmas. It's who we are. And all of these little things that seem very insignificant give you that little feel and give you that little remembrance that says, this is our family. And when we come together, and we might not know why we have jello or why we eat turkey or why we do this or why we do that, but we do it because this is who we are. We're a family. We come together. Perhaps you've noticed this. If this is your first time either watching online or here in person uh, at a Christmas service at church, you might not know this. But if you've been to at least two, you're probably catching on already. Some of you, this is just a no-brainer by now. But here's what you'll find. When you go to a Christmas service at church, you never head out to church for a Christmas service and think to yourself, I wonder what story they're going to talk about at church tonight. 
I wonder what the readings are going to be about. I wonder what the message we're going to be about. You never think, hmm, maybe tonight's going to be the night that there's an obscure Bible story that I have never heard. It's always the same. There's Mary and Joseph, a young, poor, unmarried couple. There's a census and they have to go to Bethlehem because it's Joseph's family, family hometown. And when they show up there, there's no room. And so Jesus is born and he's born and laid in a manger. And then there's angels who are out in the field tending their flocks. And the angels show up and, and declare to the shepherds that the baby has been born and you've got to go see. And sometimes there's a few other passages that we throw in there. We might, we might uh, read the part about uh, the Magi or the wise men coming to see Jesus. We might read some of the Old Testament prophecies, but you always get Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus. And do you know why? Because it reminds us about who we are. John chapter one says this about the birth of Jesus. It says, the one who is coming the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. It is a beautiful and spectacular story. It's a story of love overcoming all that is broken in the world. Spectacular and unexpected. It reveals the nature, the glory of God on display, the character of who God is for us. The story of the Messiah being born, not as a king or a general or a pharaoh or a Caesar, not in a, a palace or even a, ho a hotel or a hospital, but born in a manger. It's the upside down kingdom of God showing that love is more potent than power. It's the story of a savior who would save the world through forgiveness of our sin. The story of the one who would give his life to rescue the world. The story of creation, brokenness, redemption, and renewal for us and for all of the world. It is the story of love himself crashing into this world and it's his story we read about the word becoming flesh coming into his own creation the word or the the the, the very um the very intent of god creative intent of god coming into the world and the way that the word of god intersects with the world of humanity is not far off and it's not to those who are rich and to those who are powerful and to those that most of us can't identify with us. But the word intersects with our world, a broken world, a world where there's fear and struggle and pain, a fear where some of us worry that we won't have enough. It's into that world that Jesus is born. We see light coming into darkness, goodness overcoming evil, wisdom into confusion, a reordering all of that which has become chaotic, beauty overwhelming death, grace to the unworthy, blessing to the outcast. And we are who we are because he is who he is. He is the son of God born so that we might be reborn. Did you catch that? 
to all that believed in him, trusted him, accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Just a couple of chapters later in the book of John, Jesus talks to um, a, a kind of high-profile Jewish man who's trying to figure out what Jesus' message is. And Jesus tells him the same thing that it says here, is that if you want to have eternal life, real, abundant, deep life, you need to be born again. And the man comes back and asks a question that many of us might ask. Well, how can I be born again? I can't go back into my mother's womb, can I? And it's a potent question because it's exactly what Jesus is teaching in a symbolic way, of course, but that you need to be reborn again. Think of what it is that a baby must do in order to be born. Think of a baby in its mother's womb just before it's born. It doesn't have to achieve something to be born. It doesn't have to study all the facts in order to be born. It doesn't have to pay to be born. That baby simply sits in a life-giving environment. And in their mother's womb, they receive every nutrient that they need. And when the time comes where that baby has been given everything that it needs to live, the baby is birthed into the world. And this is the message that Jesus invites us into. What must I do to have eternal life? You need to be born again. Where do we start? Not with earning, not with buying, not with studying, not with all of the things that we might hear so many voices on earth tell us we need to do in order to be someone. Have you thought about that? There are so many earthly voices that we listen to, sometimes subconsciously, to tell us who we really are. You know what the big ones are? What we do what we have, what people think about us, who we think loves us or doesn't love us. All of these earthly voices telling us, this is how you become someone. Well, today, as we think about the Christmas story, the story of Jesus being born in a manger to regular, ordinary people, to angels speaking to shepherds who do dirty jobs and are unaccepted by most of people in their culture, in a place where nobody was paying attention to and nobody was expecting anything from. We see that that's exactly where the story of heaven crashes into the story of earth and reminds us of who we are. We are who we are because he is who he is. He is love and we are his beloved. It's the beautiful message of Christmas that you might stop and say, I feel unworthy of that. And again, this is exactly the point. That the word, which reminds us of the world that God created by his very word, was created good and beautiful. But we all know that as much good we see around, and we see a lot of good in our world, a lot of good things, a lot of good people, we also see a lot that has gone wrong, a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, a lot of fear, and even evil. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think a lot of us would say, and as much as I see it out there, I also realize I see it in here. I see it in me. And when we can say that, we're ready to receive the Jesus who was not only born in Bethlehem, but who grew to be the Savior of the world, who would give his life to save the ones that he loved. Love himself, calling us to be his beloved. And that is the invitation of the Christmas story, of the incarnation 
of God sending his son in love to save the world. Jesus, uh, in Luke 3, we read, was baptized. It's this ritual where uh, someone is taken and, and they're plunged into water, underwater, and brought back up again. And it is a ritual that is a tradition that teaches people and reminds them that you get new life from God, born in God's spirit, born to be a child of God, that you are a new person when that happens. You go in the water one way, but you come out another way. And it's symbolic of, of being forgiven of your sin and being raised in new life. And listen, as Jesus modeled what that looks like for us by being baptized, listen to what happened in his baptism. It said, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. I love you so much. You are my child and I delight in you. Here's a gift this Christmas for anyone who wants to receive it. Amidst all the earthly voices that tell us who we are and what we should do, to hear the heavenly voice of our heavenly Father, who I believe wants to speak to us what he spoke to Jesus, to say to us, you are my dearly loved child, my dearly loved daughter, son, and you bring me great joy. The Son of God was born so that we might be born again. For us to hear that same voice coming from heaven and telling us that we are who we are because he is who he is. And he is love. And we are his beloved. So we have one more tradition. And we've done this for years and years here at Westside as we close our Christmas service. Under your seat, there's a candle. Love for you to grab it. And in just a second, I am gonna, uh, I'm going to do a reading here and light our candles. If you've been with us on Sundays, <clears throat> we've been working through Advent and celebrating uh, the hope of God, the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God. And we're going to light those candles and I'm going to read. And then I'm going to light the Christ candle and pray. And after that, our door holders are going to come around and light your candles and you can help kind of light the people's next to you. And we're just going to have a quiet moment where we look around the room and we see the flickering light of a candle. And in those quiet moments to be reminded that in the midst of a world that can be dark, sometimes evil, confusing, and chaotic, that light has come into the world. So as I read, there's going to be a couple of slides that say all. And when you see those on the screen behind me, I would invite you uh, to join me and, and read as I do. So tonight we come to remember and proclaim the light of hope. Hope in the promises of God. Hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope in the person of Jesus Christ. Hope for each of us and hope for all of us. We come to proclaim the light of love. Love conceived by the Creator. Love enlivened by the Holy Spirit. Love fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Love within us and love among us. We come to proclaim the light of joy. Joy in our relationship with our Creator. Joy in the fullness of the Spirit. Joy in our salvation through Jesus. Joy deep within us in times of happiness and sorrow.
We come to remember and proclaim the light of peace. Peace as we trust God's power. Peace as we know the Spirit's presence. Peace as we follow Jesus' path. Peace within our hearts and peace throughout our world. Now join me together. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onwards and forevermore. We come to receive the light of Christ as we celebrate his miraculous birth. We receive this light that illuminates the holy path of hope, love, joy, and peace. Let's pray. Loving Father, we celebrate and thank you for your love revealed in Jesus. In this moment, we pause to reflect and remember the significance of God becoming flesh and coming to be with his creation. By the leading of your Holy Spirit, give us new appreciation and imagination for all this season holds. May your hope, love, joy, and peace fill us as we follow you, Jesus. We pray this in your name.